where you are in television land. You have put hard times on me, hard times on this country. You don't know what hard times are. Sometimes it's better to remain quiet and be thought a fool than it is to speak up and erase all doubt. You know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. That when I get him in the ring next week, and I'm not out here to make promises, I'm out here just to quote the fact, when I get him back in the ring for his AWA championship belt, it's going to be worse than it was last time, and he's going to wish he never put his name on that contract. Because I'm not here to pass out threats, I'm only here to do what I'm best at, and that is win. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff. And if you're wondering, Leanne's not here this week. She was in a steel cage match, did a shooting star press off the top, and she, she bruised her ribs, so she's out this week. But in her stead, I've brought on three gentlemen who know pro wrestling. First, I'm going to introduce the man who actually introduced me to wrestling way back in the day when we were just children. Uh, he is my brother from another mother. You may remember him from the video game episode, which we need to do another one soon. Eddie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. Glad to be here. Good to have you. Next up, he's also been on the show before. You may remember from our midsummer conversation. I've also been on his show, Invasion of the Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paul back to the show. Paul, how are you today? Good. And I would say that um, the best shooting star press ever was Brock Lesnar almost breaking his neck. Jesus Christ, that was horrifying. I watched that live. My friend well, and I were at a sports bar. And well, that's why we know he doesn't have a neck. So it's, you know, <laughs> it was proven. And finally, making his debut. And I'm going to give him a wrestler's entrance here. I apologize for not doing it for the others, but a first-timer deserves this. Hailing from the house by the edge of the park, you know him from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. He is the masked luchador with a beard that we all envy. His name is El Goro. Welcome to the Skewered Universe, sir. Oh, thank you very much for that, Jeff. But I have to wonder if people really know me from Talk Without Rhythm, because I don't think anybody listens to that show. But I appreciate it anyway. Work the gimmick, man. I'm going to call bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to break kayfabe about his listenership of a show. All five of them. Anyway. <laughs> Allow me to tell you the secrets. I, I am actually really good at ventriloquism and fake voices. So all of those guests you come on, here come on, they're all just me. Ah, multiple personality disorder okay well he's a big jeff dunham fan and i I found that out and like that's what's inspired his work oh jesus (laughs) i don't know if that's a good thing or not it's not absolutely not Uh, um yeah anyway so so, yeah thank you for having slightly less racist uh slightly um I, I got nothing to say about that. All got hit with a dart. <laughs> yeah, so the reason know. these four guys have come together today, the reason I've brought you three here, is we're going to talk some fucking pro wrestling. Dragon A. 
And I know Eddie and I grew up watching it together. I know Paul has mentioned on Invasion that he's watched wrestling. And I mean, El Goro is a plethora of knowledge when it comes to wrestling. So I know his love of the sport. And yeah, I, I apologize. I kind of lost my words there for a second, guys. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> That's what happens when you think about pro wrestling. You just got to take a step back. Yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you just, uh, you just got to look at all those dudes not wearing a lot and you just get lost in it. You know, that's, that's, you know, there's a beauty there. There's a lot <laughs> lost See? in the crotch. Yep. Call <laughs> back to pre-show conversations. Indeed. <laughs> kayfabe, kayfabe, let's move on. Yeah, let's, let's put it this way. I was on the top rope. And my footing wasn't quite where it should be, so I hesitated. Uh huh. So I was gonna try for that, uh, you know, five star frog splash RVD style, and I just wasn't quite sure enough yet. So uh, my question is: I know you brought us all together, uh, so I want to like, and you, you know, um, and the two of you uh, would be, you know, uh, uh, Jeff and um, Eddie. Like you guys, watch you grew up watching wrestling together. So what's like, clearly that's a bonding thing. So where does that start for you guys? Ah, uh, good question, because that's actually a good transition, because I was going to go around and ask all of you guys basically the same question, like how you got started. I'll let Eddie go first here, and then we'll move around, and then I'll finish off with mine. So, Eddie, if you want to go ahead and well, field the to, question. To put it simply, I can't remember a time where I didn't watch wrestling. It's just it goes that far back for me. Um, obviously I was, I don't know, I was probably like four or five, uh, my cousins were all into wrestling. They had the wrestling figures, um, they had the wrestling ring, uh, they were watching wrestling uh, when I'd go over a visit and just slowly but surely got into it. And, and then I met you shortly after. And, uh, so, cause when, when we met, uh, it was just new for both of us. And, and again, that's, that's why I think we, uh, one of the first things we bonded over was, was, was pro wrestling. Definitely. All right. Paul, how about you? So I, um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm the oldest of all of us here. So I, I remember the days of the Madison square garden, black and white, what? No. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, I was watching like, um, like superstars of wrestling. I think I was watching the USA stuff. Like they'd have like, you know, sometimes in the, in the weekends, I remember, um, what was the NBC show? Was it, um, Friday night, um, wasn't fights. What was it called? Saturday Friday night main event. Main event there. Saturday night main event. I remember that. I remember, uh, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. Cause you know, if you weren't a kid watching, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, then you, you wasted the rest of your week. Cause that was the one time for you to watch cartoons. Um, so I grew up around a lot of that stuff. I, it kind of faded a little bit for me. I mean, I, I, when I got to college, I remember, Oh, I was what a junior in college. This was what, like 99. Uh, and I remember walking through my, my dormitory and um, every TV that was on had three things. It was either Monday night football, um, you know, uh, Monday night raw or uh, nitro. And you could just walk through and hear everything. And this is when the NWO was big and like uh, the back and forth fight, you know, the Monday night wars. So that was, you know, that was always fun to get into because you'd hear everybody reacting and then it kind of faded away again. And until I'd say past like what four or five years, because I know 
um, I didn't really get the bug again until hanging out with, um, you know, like with the, the Mr. Goro and other people that have like minded interests in coming to a couple live shows here in the Cleveland area. There's the, the local uh, promotion AIW and it just, that kind of, kind of brought it back. Cause I'd still catch the, you know, the odd pay-per-view or like a Wrestle Kingdom, but it was just seeing that and seeing the, you know, like these people putting on the show for various numbers of people in a gymnasium, like, and then seeing some like legitimate, like talent come through. And it's one of those things it's like, like some people are like, you don't know who that is. I'm like, I have no idea. And then you get, your mind gets blown by who they bring in. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun to kind of get back to it. It's just the way I kind of approach it now is these are, it's a 52 week a year live action uh, superhero comic. And I love the displays. I love the dumb storylines and good storylines. And I just love the um, the effort and the art that gets put into it because it's it's something unique. And it's it's even though you know the outcomes are predicted, um, there's still this wonderful, like, you, you know, you just don't know what's coming next, right? So it's come and gone. Like I grew up loving it and now I'm, I, I dig it a lot now. Okay. And El Goro, how about you? Yeah, for me, uh, the earliest wrestling that I can remember, it would have been late 80s, early 90s, where WWF at the time had entered into sort of a a pop cultural juggernaut status that even if you weren't actually watching wrestling, it was still a part of your life. I mean, my mom says she has a picture of me teething on a Hulk Hogan toy, you know, the old rubber LJN figures that they have when the the Hulk Hogan that was because he had bent legs, he could never actually stand up. He was always like partially crouching. It was really weird, but it was just always just part of the background of my early childhood. And the first actual uh, wrestling thing that I could ever remember clearly was when uh, Jake the Snake had his snake bite uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. That was the very first thing that I could remember. And, you know, I, I would go in and out of it for the next couple of years and I'd w- I wouldn't get super, super into it until it would have been about r- right around 2000, kind of the lead up towards what is considered by some people to be the best WrestleMania of all time, uh, WrestleMania X7. And that's when I really started getting very, very much into wrestling. And I stayed with it for the next four or five years, roughly from uh, WrestleMania 17 all the way up to WrestleMania 20, which, again, was an amazing, amazing uh, card. And then after that, it just kind of faded out. And it wasn't until about 2014 that I that I rediscovered the love for wrestling, had the ability to sit down and watch it consistently. And it was all kind of wrapped up in the whole WWE thing. But it was also around that time through making friends with various people, including my very good friends over on Trick or Treat Radio, that I got exposed increasingly to a lot more different styles of wrestling, independent promotions. Uh, Paul mentioned AIW here in Cleveland. I went to some of their shows. And in particular, getting really into Japanese wrestling, courtesy of New Japan Pro Wrestling. That was the stuff that took what was... you know, a a passion and just turned it into a full on obsession. This was the kind of wrestling that I could really get behind. It was unfettered by questionable decisions uh, on a corporate level, unfettered by so many other things. It was just pure wrestling. And that's what really, really cemented me. And since then, I've just been a fanatic about it. Very cool. Very cool. Nice. So Eddie did touch on this. Eddie is the one who introduced me to wrestling via World Wrestling Federation back in the day. 
So I was probably, probably like six, maybe. Cause I think that's about the time that we met when I was about six, Eddie, I think. Yeah. Somewhere six. around there. And I remember distinctly you were showing me tapes that you had that had been recorded of like WrestleMania three or like even the first WrestleMania. And I was just like, what yeah. is this? And I was captivated seeing these like larger than life figures just going at it in the ring. And at the time as a kid, I didn't know things were predetermined and that, you know, they already knew who was going to go over in the match, who was going to take the title, whatever that was. I was like, these guys are legit fighting. Oh my God. And that kind of sparked my love. So from there I was watching, you know, superstars on the weekends. I was watching Saturday night's main event. When raw came around, I was videotaping raw. That's how long ago it was. Yeah, video cassettes. Yep. Yeah. Saturday night's main event. Oh, those are good times. I was recording this stuff. I was watching all I could. And then as I got older, I kind of started to step away because, you know, as it happens, kids tend to bully anyone who liked wrestling. So I was like, oh, no, I don't like wrestling. But then I'd get home and I'd watch it, of course. <laughs> and then for me, it was consuming everything that was WWF at the time because I didn't really watch WCW except on occasion if I came across it on one of the local channels because it was in my head. It was a smaller promotion. I didn't realize all that there was tied into WCW regarding the territories and all this stuff. I think by the time I got into it, the territories were pretty much dead thanks to the Federation and Vince McMahon's need to consume everything and become this global juggernaut. So I kind of fell off, came back in, and then I fell off again around the time that John Cena was getting popular just because I didn't like the guy. I didn't like his in-ring work. I didn't like his promos. I wasn't buying into it. Mm -hmm. I was like, despite everyone else that was there that I was enjoying, I was like, this one guy has soured everything for me because everything is about him. Fast forward a few years, he's not there as much. So I kind of fell back into it. And then all of a sudden, I start watching old WCW stuff. I start checking out old territory stuff, finding guys like Bruiser Brody and seeing like Stan Hansen. And I know El Goro knows about these guys. Oh, yeah. And then it just kind of rekindled my love. We fast forward a few more years. I'm still watching it, still taking it in, you know, criticizing the bad stuff, but enjoying the good stuff when it would come my way. I stumbled across the now defunct podcast called the, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was the five Hospin wrestling podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Those guys. Yeah. And that's how I discovered New Japan and learning about old like CZW and then GCW learning about all this stuff and I just started consuming it and it just lit this fire that became like a passion that I had to just try and consume everything so now I've watched a couple of Wrestle Kingdoms I've seen parts of the New Japan Cup and I'm like wow those guys just go for it they leave everything in the ring and then of course now my new obsession is AEW that's where I stand now so I'm always watching Dynamite, always watching Rampage, and I'm keeping up with New Japan and these other promotions because there's so much interesting stuff going on, even Impact that I never watched. I'm even keeping up on their stuff just to see. How is Impact? Are you, are you liking that? Yeah, it's actually not too bad. I remember I was just asking you about that the other day because I was kind of intrigued with starting to look at some other 
divisions as well, you know, and you know, because WWE, like I said, this storyline isn't great. And uh, if you're not currently a WWE fan, it's not even a good time to get into it, honestly. But uh, I digress. Um, yeah. What, uh, what's going on in the uh, other? Well, I, as we say, I think it's actually a good time to be not, maybe not the WWEs, maybe not like the, this is what wrestling is where, you know, you watch raw and there's, you know, three matches and two and a half hours of promos or whatever, but there's so much other wrestling content that people have access to now. And even with the smaller, you know, companies, I think it's a great time to, to get in. Cause now you like, like Jeff was mentioning, you can go be like, here, look at this, look at this. Like I am not well-versed whatsoever, but I do know that like, even like uh, MLW, has a lot of their stuff out there and they're, you know, not the biggest, but there's names that you see that go through there. You're like, Holy crap. Like there's, there's so much talent out there and there's a lot of different ways to showcase it. So I think now that ring of honor is going to be coming back too, like, I think it's a good time to, if someone has even an inkling of wrestling, it's like, you have such delights to show them. So I think it's exciting time. Exactly. And even more so than, you know, past periods where so many of these independent promotions and uh, foreign promotions like New Japan were starting to get into the streaming game and thus making their catalog available very, very easily to so many people that may not have been inclined to, you know, buy a DVD from some shady internet vendor. (laughs) What's what's great is that there is a new spirit of uh, cooperation amongst so many of the different brands a lot of it's spearheaded by the actions that have been made by people in impact and the people in a uh, aew the sense that the days of kind of people locking down their talent and then segregating them off into their own little world that doesn't acknowledge the rest of the wider wrestling world is slowly breaking down. And so you can see talent from AIW show up on Impact and vice versa. You can see New Japan people showing up all over the place, whereas one time they were pretty much working exclusively with uh, companies like Ring of Honor. The idea, and it's been colloquially referred to as the of the forbidden door, the idea that 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 you know each of these were their own distinct fiefdoms and no one could interact that's breaking down we're existing in a world where there's all this incredible possibility and the kind of stuff that used to be the purview of fanboy speculation could very well happen and so it is a very excited time to be in wrestling and if you are not a fan of the wwe there is an embarrassment of riches out there particularly since we're moving outside of the pandemic era people are uh, able to go to shows again and the possibilities are seemingly endless at this time. It's very exciting. I think one of the frustrating things about being a WWE <clears throat> fan um, is if you notice, I'm sure Jeff will know what I'm talking about here for sure. Uh, they'll start a story and they'll just basically leave you hanging with it. Like they'll just decide like, you know what? We, we don't know how to, where we're going to go with this. So we're just going to end it. And we're not going to mention it. We're not going to say anything about it. You just don't, you just don't even uh, hear about it again. I don't know if you guys have seen those situations. But. It's like oh, yes. happy days where the older brother went upstairs in the first episode. <laughs> and he never came back down again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was always something that was very frustrating during the time that I was watching WWE. And one of the primary reasons that I dropped off again that and we were saying this before we started recording that at no point, by no means do I want to badmouth the WWE. <laughs> 
or, or more particularly, do I want to badmouth the people that legitimately enjoy it? Because I don't watch it. I try not to talk badly about things that I'm not actively in. I will explain why I don't watch it. And a lot of it had to do with, just as you said, those kind of trailing off storylines or the idea that they would uh, present a feud that would start, you know, treading water for forever. You know, how many, how many times have you seen two guys wrestle each other each and every week until they finally have a blow off at the, at the pay-per-view and then they're back to wrestling the same guys each and every week. Right. And a lot of it also was, you know, uh, from a more personal level, people that I thought should have been placed in better positions and not really them doing much with those kind of characters, you know, car- people that got over organically with the audience and the company, for whatever reason, didn't really invest in them. And, you know, it's 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 other things like, you know, running shows in Saudi Arabia, but that's, you know, more of the political side of things. Um, it's It's, again, for the people that really enjoy it, awesome i i am uh, i am so happy that people can find enjoyment in wrestling because at the end of the day we're all just wrestling fans it doesn't matter what kind of flavor you're into but we do exist in a time where there is a very viable alternative and there's a wealth of viable alternatives you know there's not just wwe and there's not just wwe and aew there are so many different promotions out there that can cater to so many different tastes and hell just go down to a local show Almost for most people, they may not realize it, but there are independent promotions pretty much everywhere. I mean, some people may have to drive a little bit further. We're, uh, Paul and I are somewhat spoiled that we actually have a really good independent promotion just down the road from us practically. But there's so much talented independent wrestling out uh, wrestlers out there that would love to see for you to come out and uh, check them out. And again, that's one of the things that's so exciting about being a wrestling fan these days is the wealth of options. Yeah, I definitely plan to start branching out for sure. And and I've had my gaps in watching WWE, but at the end of the day, it's still entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I like something like um like the Cruiserweight Classic that they did like what four or five years ago. Oh, that was amazing! Yeah. Amazing. That was like so so great. Like it actually felt like there were stakes. It felt like, you know, and then you got like, um, the, the, you talk about the talent they brought in. What was, uh, you got to see Koto Ibushi. It was like the first time I'd ever really seen him. Amazing, right? You had him, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. It's like these people that would really never really be in a WWE product were in this really cool tournament. And I was like, can we have more of that, please? But, you know, that turned into 205 Live, then I never watched it. So I guess that's <laughs> on me. Um, but I just, you know, like they were trying, I guess. And so I'm not saying they're not capable of doing things. It's just when you're the largest promotion, it's easy to, uh, you know, not innovate. Right. Cause you already got the, the lion's share. So I could see yeah. how that gets frustrating, you know, cause it's like, they, they don't feel like they're being challenged. So why should they push themselves? They already got like, they've, they've made so much money, even with the product, the way it is like who, who would be motivated to do more, you know, that's sure. tough. And it's, right. it's it's kind of the sense of, hey, we cut to the top of the mountain by doing it this way. Why do we need to change how we do things? Why not just do it this way? And the fact is, they're still making a ton, a ton of money. Um, so I don't necessarily foresee them being terribly inclined to changing the way that they do things. And if the, some of the changes that I've seen from a distance have been more them knuckling down 
on this is the way WWE does things. And a lot of the innovations, a lot of which were spearheaded by people like Triple H and, you know, uh, 205 Live feels very much like an extension of the stuff that he was doing with NXT. There's not a lot of room for that in the modern day WWE, at least as far as I've seen. I don't want to speak too, too much out of turn because I do not watch the product. I do. I will follow certain things as they come up in the news, but I can't speak authoritatively about it. But it does feel like a lot of the stuff that set laid the groundwork for something like the cruiserweight classic doesn't exist anymore in that company. Right. I, I feel the same way. I don't see where they have room for any of that stuff. I mean, they've outright said they're no longer looking for independent talent. They're looking to NCAA athletes and things of that nature. I'm like, that's going to take a lot of time to get them acclimated even to your type of wrestling. Sure. But then again, they don't like the word wrestling. It's sports entertainment. <laughs> and to, so. to me, to me, I mean, because I, I saw that same news, the idea they're not looking for wrestlers, they're looking for athletes, but more particularly, they're looking for established personalities that they can then integrate into the into the WWE apparatus, you know, NCA uh, talent that have social media followings that have already a presence. And I could see the logic of that, you know, if you associate yourself with somebody who already has a element of fame perhaps they'll bring new eyes to the to the product the same reason that they have so many different musical talents being actively involved in the in-ring stuff i mean there's a reason that's what the the bad bunny i've heard uh so yeah slight technical hiccup we're back so goro you were mentioning something let's go ahead and say you know what go ahead and say the name that we said shall not be made i believe you mentioned bad bunny Yes, I was just talking about the idea that as a, as a strategy for uh, um, keeping relevant or at least getting more eyes on the product, the kind of bringing in of, of celebrities, which, hey, that's been a thing in wrestling for a long, long time. But the idea of kind of uh, hanging your future upon existing athletic talents that are sensibly bringing in a following from the NCAA We'll, we'll have to see how it goes. I'm sure some of them are going to turn out to be amazing uh, performers because certainly a lot of very excellent wrestlers got their start as athletes. I mean, Bruiser Brody was a football player. didn't really work out for him. But he even said that one of the reasons that there were so many issues with uh, wrestlers back in kind of the golden age and why there was not a lot of interest in wrestling from them other than it just being a job he, he basically referred to all of them as losers. They were all people that tried to be something else, failed, and wrestling was their fallback. So we'll see how the, if that will repeat with this new generation of, of athletes being brought into the wrestling scene, or if it can perhaps uh, come up with some legendary performers like a Bruiser Brody. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling. I mean, and the level that most of these athletes that they're going to sign, they perform at high levels at whatever they're doing. I'm sure they're not looking for third, fourth string guys on a team or no. women who are third, fourth string, wherever. I'm For their sake, I hope they're able to, you know, get into the system, learn the style and have success. Whether that means getting the big push and being, you know, the next big thing or even just being someone who is 
I don't want to say a life mid carder, but we all know there's those guys who are substantial for the mid card that hang around there. Sure. And the, you, the thing is, those guys are absolutely necessary. When you're building a wrestling promotion, not everybody can be on top. You have to be able to fill out your card from top to bottom. That means you will have undercard people. And that means you will have mid-card people. And while some people can float between them, other people will comfortably find sort of that middle-of-the-road slot and still manage to have a tremendous career and be somebody that people absolutely love. I mean, hell, you can look at somebody like uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, he had some incredibly high-profile main event-level matches, but if one were to look at the majority of his career, it's slightly more in the middle. Now, some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, he was uh, underneath the juggernaut that was Hulk Hogan, so it's kind of hard to be on the upper level when that guy's going along. But nevertheless, he's still one of the most amazing wrestlers that I don't think ever won the world title. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to say in that same vein... Um, and I mentioned this to you guys, we were going to touch on it. I think now's a good time. Someone who was always in the mid card, but I think always put on a hell of a performance and really, like everyone has said, was one of the coolest guys to watch, uh, Scott Hall or Razor Ramon, as he was known in the WWF. Mm-hmm. Always in that mid card scene, always around that intercontinental title. But his matches were always captivating. His promos, you hung on every word. And the guy was willing to put over a very young Sean Waltman as the one, two, three kid, or probably even the lightning kid at that time. I think it was on just Monday kid. Night Raw. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably was just the kid on Monday Night Raw. Put him over, let the kid get a win on him because he knew there was something there. Like, yeah, Razor Ramon's character. A guy like yeah. Hogan would have been like, well, no, I'm the top guy. I'm not going to lose to this kid. Yep. And I mean, we, we just lost Scott Hall. So real quick, I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on like Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. What did you guys think of his career and everything? So uh, we'll go the other direction. We'll start with El Goro and then Paul and then Eddie. I mean, uh, Scott Hall was an absolute legend, whether it was the character work that he did as Razor Ramon, the slightly more true to his life work in, as Scott Hall. But even before that, when, you know, he was working the various other promotions and he had that amazing mustache of his, I mean, he was an incredible performer. And unfortunately, he also personified a lot of the demons that ruled the life of a certain generation of wrestlers. Right. That there there was an entire generation that sadly was lost. And those that are still remaining, they're becoming fewer and farther between. In many ways... um, it's nice that people can uh, focus upon the the good that he had in his career, and it was also nice that he was uh, decidedly on a much stronger road to recovery throughout his later years. But it's still you cannot uh, talk about his his life and his career without acknowledging the hard road that he had. But at the same time, I mean, he was an absolute legend. He was an amazing, amazing performer that unfortunately just had a lot of demons. Some of them pretty justified if you go into some of his background. I mean, dude accidentally killed a guy once. Right. I did hear about that recently in all the news, and I was like, holy shit, okay, that makes a lot of sense why he went down some of the paths he did. Yeah. 
and again, it was it was just the life. I mean, these guys were were constantly on the road, you know, on the road, three hundred and forty days a year. Sometimes um, that takes a toll. And when you live in this sort of environment where you have this level of of fame, and you have access to all of these different vices, some of them you need just to keep going. Man, it is no surprise that uh, so many of the people of that era have um, have left, and uh, how uh, so many of them are that remain are very, very beaten down. Yeah, it's it's sad to look at some of them yep. and just I mean, see what happened. I mean, I think it also runs parallel to a lot of like with like how like just like sports and sports entertainment, like the rise of like its media share and how big it got in like the seventies and eighties and like how these people were getting this attention, and the, the lifestyles they lived. I'm not comparing like, you know what they do. Cause they worked more days a year than, you know, like a professional football player. However, you could see some of those guys that left the world early too, because of what they put themselves through. And then also having access. Right. And like, there mm. was no, I think that a lot of uh, people that um, you, you see the health, like there's a, mental health side to this now that those guys that went through it everybody else sees are like oh well we could we could still do this but we could be smarter about it and we don't have to you know we don't have to live like the other half of the rock star life and i think we're seeing a lot of healthier people come through and unfortunately they learn from people you know like razor ramon um so yeah i just remember like as a kid like he was the bad guy and it's just he always had that like f you look on his face and like he's just one of those dudes that you just you knew what you're going to get and that's not a bad thing like having like straight up like you know heels you know you know maybe you want a little bit more nuance sometimes sure but i, I, I for me growing up as a kid watch you know, you're watching wrestling you're watching cartoons wherever like you got your good guys your bad guys and sometimes the villains are just cooler than the good guys. And he was cool, right? And I don't know how many forests he destroyed for toothpicks, but we also got to uh, you know, remember that. There's going to be more trees in the world now. And I, like it's a sad reason, but there'll be more trees in the world. <laughs> All right. So, Eddie, how about you? What about uh, your experience growing up watching Razor Ramon, Scott Hall? Yes. <clears throat> Razor Ramon was one of the great characters of – you know, just I felt like when we were kids, all of the wrestlers had more of a character and they seemed to be getting away from that. But, you know, Razor Ramon was just a memorable character and I didn't really watch him as Scott Hall. So I, when, when I heard Scott Hall pass, uh, my immediate thought is, oh, Razor Ramon. That's just my, you know, when I see Scott Hall, that's Razor Ramon to me. But his character was phenomenal. It was just so intriguing and um Fun fact about his debut, he actually he debuted against a wrestler named uh, Paul Van Dale, who is Carmella's father. Huh. And uh, yeah, so huh. Carmella's a second generation, and uh, I didn't know that until recently. I didn't either. It feels like something they probably should have mentioned at some point in right. the promotion she works for. <laughs> I didn't you know. know. It's I didn't because know how he's such a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. Please. Just because he's like such an unknown. He was one of those... Uh, uh, if you guys remember back in, when we were kids, they would always put our superstars up against a quote unquote nobody. Oh, yes. The jobbers. Yeah. So not to put any wrestlers down, but he wasn't known. And I think I mean, my best guess would be that's probably why they hadn't really mentioned it. Um, I think they missed a perfect opportunity when uh, she was going to wrestle Charlotte. That could have mm -hmm. been like, you know, he could have even brought him out. 
But my guess is Vince McMahon is probably like, you know what? This guy wasn't big enough for me to bring out to have this match. I mean, you know how Vince McMahon is. <laughs> but the Miz's dad can get a spot at WrestleMania. Yeah, right? he can. Hey, man. <laughs> He's a small business owner. We got to support him. Yeah, he owns a Mr. Hero just down the road. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. You know, he sells Roman burgers just down the street from me. I got to support that. But uh, I'm not going to say, I just didn't realize how protected the Razor's Edge was as a move until mm-hmm. like, because like, there's one of the things I've been doing recently, and this is part of where I'm getting my wrestling knowledge from, is that you know, you go on the internet and there's people like if you you could throw a dart and find eight million videos about whatever. I try to keep it limited to one one wrestling channel because I don't want the algorithm to completely blow up on me. <laughs> but they like the, these guys. It's it's the what culture wrestling guys. They're over in England. They do a really really good job. And they they had this whole like list of like protective moves, and I did not realize the Razor's Edge was like one of the the biggest protected moves just to show like when that got brought out, it was over. You know, yeah. like, that's awesome. I, I want more of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, it's they're few and far between, but there are still some of those, uh, you know, very protected finishers. The one-winged angel comes to mind. Yeah, very and much the one-winged angel. Uh, Pox, uh, was it his... Uh, his was his uh, falcon arrow and that, that's not what it's called right black <laughs> arrow hey nobody takes out of the falcon arrow sorry uh, but <laughs> yeah, you know but that's one of those ones too right like there's a there's just a handful out there yeah you, you know you don't get out of yeah there's there's so many that are few and far between but it was one thing i loved and i'll go ahead and touch on like my experience my first exposure to scott hall was his razor ramon and i was like who is this guy who is this like Latino guy, not knowing he wasn't even Latino at all. <laughs> That's I was like, funny. Man. Yeah. He pitches an idea to Vince saying, Have you ever seen the movie Scarface? And that was the basis for his character. And I was like, This guy's so cool, but I hate him because he's a heel. Yep. But I still want to watch him. He's captivating. I was hanging on every word in every one of those vignettes before his debut. He made me start chewing on a toothpick because I thought it was so cool. <laughs> and like, then like, didn't vince say he'd never seen scarface and just let him do it isn't that i think so crazy? yeah yeah Did, like do you actually wonder if vince watched scarface later and he was like you know what tell you montana i i could do that empire better do you think he ever watched them was like that's not <laughs> you know like there would have been a hard turn into the cocaine business versus wrestling i'm sure he would have been like i could do this i got I it don't, I, I don't think vince watches things i don't think he watches <laughs> movies no, no. his pop culture knowledge is stops in the 80s yeah but yeah. not all of the 80s clearly because he hasn't seen scarface <laughs> yeah. like that's why he kept giving people gimmicks that are like you're a trash man okay great because he's seen them out in life right and he's like you're a hockey player right like you can try these right like what's your name your name's vomit because that's happened sometimes around me like yeah <laughs> so Oh God, he's gonna puke. He's gonna puke. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh Duke the Dumpster Drossi is who you're referring to there, my friend, the man who was a trash man. Sorry, like but also, you know, the the, the best <laughs> reference the repo man. We gotta talk about him too, because you know, or or you know, um, you know, IRS, you know, the guy that's you know there to make sure that you know he gets his money, you know, like these are all I just I love I love these gimmicks of this like well these are just jobs people have right so we'll just we'll do that yeah back in the day when everybody had a had a uh, a sideline wrestling paid so little they had to have a full time job yeah yeah Yeah. and of course us growing up we were like oh well yeah that makes total sense this tax attorney is going to come in and totally be a wrestler too 
Well, I mean, totally. it, 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 it works for kids because, you know, they're cartoons. It's the idea that you exactly. have it inherent in the name, inherent in the image. You know everything you need to know about these guys because, boom, there it is. You know, it, it's this thing. Um, so, but you can see how they sort of moved away from that in a certain sense, but still keeping kind of those core elements to the characters. I mean, we can laugh at the all of the profession-based uh, wrestlers, but need need we forget? Uh, lest we forget, Undertaker was one of those guys. Oh yeah, yeah. And we have we have a, a living dinosaur in AEW. That oh yeah. Around. So I mean, yeah, I'm fine with this. Like, hey, I fucking love Luchasaurus. All right. I mean, I don't know if dinosaurs a job is more of a lifestyle choice, but whatever. I love it. Yeah. Well, his real job is what? Professor of medieval history. Well, there you go. Is <laughs> <laughs> he's a very well-spoken and educated individual. So I, the one thing I wanted to, to ask you guys about as well is part of the reason why I think I'm really, I really have gotten back into it is that um, like, sure. You, you know, you got like, you know, the, the spectacle and the, the characters, um, I think I'm getting more and more like trying to get into the narrative that goes into a match, mm-hmm. like watching the, the the back and forth of like, you know, and I know the commentators help where it's like, oh, this guy, he broke his knee last week. He can barely walk. It's like, well, then he wouldn't be walking in the ring or whatever. Right. But um, like, what was it um, with AEW a couple of weeks ago? We had uh, Sammy Guevara like jack up his ribs because of that ladder match. Mm-hmm. That um that you know we, we got to see that was amazing, but he still had like you know, the, his ribs taped up for like a few weeks after that because that was part of the narrative. And then also as the matches would play out, you see people working his midsection. That's the stuff I dig because I think that's where that like not that I'm saying you have to be a smart wrestling watcher because if you're even if you're not, you're still getting the story because the guys are telling the story. These are the things I think I'm more fascinated by is that the actual like the narrative that goes in and the physicality, but you have to have like one to make the other work. So uh, I, I guess my question to you guys, I don't know how much you watch for that versus just, you know, my, uh, mountains of man meat, just, you know, smacking each other. I mean, that that's a huge part of it for me. You know, it's the idea that wrestling is drama. Wrestling is comic books. Wrestling is everything. And it is, it is the narrative of these fictional characters. And yes, it can, you know, kind of vent over into stuff from reality and the line gets blurry. But at the end of the day, these are fictional characters pursuing this, operating in a fictional world that we as audience members are invited to participate in. And it is great when they do have that sort of acknowledgement of, of the past, whether it be, you know, the injuries that linger on from match to match, or when you have these kind of people acknowledging history between the talent, just the fact of saying that, you know, you can conceivably follow guys that have been wrestling in the independence in VFW halls, all the way up to, you know, stuff on major networks. And that's all part of a shared narrative. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about the things outside of the WWE in that they will acknowledge that sort of shared history. And in some cases, they'll actually build upon it in order to create new stories. It's like, again, it's like comic books. It just keeps adding additional layers to it. So that's what I enjoy. You know, we can uh, jokingly refer to it as, you know, soap opera with chair shots, but it's still, that's part of the appeal of it for me is to see the development of these characters in this wild world they're creating. Absolutely. You got your characters, um, the junkyard dog, you got uh, Brutus, the barber beefcake, um, Hulk Hogan. I mean, that Hulk Hogan is arguably as big as the WWE itself. I mean, 
they're, um, the narrative is definitely uh, a big part of it for me as well. Um, I mean, without the narrative, if you think about it, you would be watching like a wrestling, but like a UFC, there's no real narrative to UFC because that's real life. But this is, these are characters. I mean, Jesse, the body Ventura, that's a character. You know, those, those are the kind of characters that I, that I miss, uh, you know, from being from growing up. There's, I can't even name all of them, obviously, but there's just so many. There's so many really great, great characters that have come through WWF, WWE. And uh, that's definitely the biggest appeal for me, too, is you got to have that along with the physicality. And I think uh, he nailed it with that. Yeah. And I think for me growing up, it was the characters that initially drew me in those larger than life cartoon like characters. I mean, you had your Hulk Hogan's, your ultimate warriors, your razor Ramones, you know, your Shawn Michaels guys who were just these larger than life personalities. And then as I got older, I started to appreciate more of the narrative in the ring. One of the guys who I think was one of the best at being able to not only tell that story in the ring was Bret Hart. Um, I grew up a huge Bret Hart fan. I loved him in his tag team wrestling. I'll just come out and say it. I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling, which is one reason why I love AEW. They actually have a focus on tag team wrestling, whereas WWE seems to consider it kind of a bad thing. I don't know why. You just but... take a toy box and dump it open. It's like, hey, you guys are a tag team now. Good luck with that. Have fun. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. the women's a, division. Yeah. They're just like... Just plug and play like, oh, who's Rhea Ripley going to lose with this week? You know, like it's just it's very frustrating. So, yeah, I was just talking to my wife about this this last week, how tag teams are just all slapped together now. And uh, back in the day, they used to always had like an actual tag team. They had the same uh, they had the same uniform on same gimmick yeah. and everything matched and they were like an actual tag team. Now it's like, oh yeah, slap these two together now, for three weeks. Well, they had a tag team name. It wasn't just uh, exactly person, a person B. They, you know, yeah. it, it was a name, it was a unit, and exactly. it, it would always irritate me, just like you know, Paul was saying, where they would kind of slap these two guys together and then they would go on to beat established tag teams. So it's this like, okay, so people who make this their entire specialty are losing against just two uh yahoos that you threw together just because yeah. those guys are bigger names individually. That's not something that should ever happen, in my opinion. Yeah, right. that's what, like, I think RK Bro kind of succeed in spite of itself. I was just like, thinking that because they're a lot of fun and it's like like they're they work so well together and like um I just I don't know just just seeing Randy Orton smile sometimes just blows my mind now the like, character development with Orton has been amazing right <laughs> just he's he's having fun and I'm like so the world's over right is that what's going on like Randy Orton smiling so we're all doomed is that what's exactly, going on exactly <laughs> But yeah, oh, it just um, so so Jeff. Speaking to your point about tag team wrestling, I'm sorry I, I interrupted. So no, no, yeah. no, I'm just saying I I love tag team wrestling, which is what my exposure to Bret Hart was early in my days watching WWF. And when I started to appreciate what he was doing in the ring, the story he was telling, the selling of certain moves, if somebody was working over his leg, he was limping the entire match, and he was just one of those guys that I was drawn to because I was like, he's telling a story in the ring with his actions and what he's doing. And now we see more of that in some of these other guys. And I get there are some matches where the selling is minimal because it's a bunch of high spots. And I know a lot of people don't like that. I like that as an alternative to those hard storytelling matches. 
it's just something fun to watch every once in a while. I mean, you put the Young Bucks and like Jurassic Express together with some other guys that can just jump around and do these flips and everything. I don't mind that. It's a fun, you know, kind of check out for a minute, watch the high spots, watch the crazy moves. Lucha Brothers come to mind, actually. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. And just enjoy it for the fun spectacle it is. But then you can turn around and you can watch a match like CM Punk and Eddie Kingston, where these guys are just telling this story, which stems from real life dislike of each other because of things that happened back in like Ring of Honor locker rooms. And it's just so good to watch them just tell this story in the ring and it's captivating. And I think that's where I'm at now is that that work in the ring, that storytelling in the ring that draws you in. And don't get me wrong. I love watching the spots. I love seeing the moves hit, but it's that storytelling. It's somebody working over an arm and that person, you know, holding their arm or hitting a move and then like immediately grabbing their arm or grabbing their ribs. They're taped up the next time they come out or they're, they're still limping. Whereas what I've seen in WWE and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to badmouth them. I'm not trying to talk shit or anything. I don't keep up enough with the product. I keep up with it in news or like big stories and what's going on, who's been released, who's been signed, things like that. They seem to not have guys sell a big injury like the next night, like a WrestleMania, they could get put through two tables and have, you know, make it look like their leg was pilmanized <laughs> in a chair. And then the next night on Raw, they're coming out dancing down the aisle. I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't recover that quick. I know this is all predetermined and you didn't really get injured, but give us something. Yeah, I think I think um, like other promotions, like especially, well, it's tougher for I think for some of the in, like the smaller indies because like you know like like I'll go to a show every few months, but so I don't catch all the storylines, but at least you know at least they're still working to tell a story at the moment at the time you know, while you're in there watching. And then there's also that kind of like, it's kind of like watching a magic act, right? Where we know we're, we're there to be fooled and we, we get our minds blown when we are right. Yeah. Like, and I think right. that's um, like, I think that's fun. Cause like, you know, it, yeah. Uh, and it's just these people, like some of the stuff they do, there's so, there has to be so much trust, right. And um, familiarity for the most part to make these things possible and, and not to say that this stuff doesn't hurt. Cause it looks like a lot of times it does. So, you know, if that's, if that's how you um, kind of enjoy your, you know, your, your workplace, that's, I mean, fine. You know, I, I couldn't do my place of work and be like, you know, what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go uh, get the shit beat out of me physically and emotionally. I only get the emotional part. I don't need the physical part of my job, but um, <laughs> no, but it's just like, um, like, I don't know, like uh, not to like, there was a, there was a point. What was it? Gore and I were at a, like the show at a bar and Nick Gage was there and it's like being near a live, like tiger. Mm -hmm. um, and when he was coming, <laughs> there's a bit, you and I backed up because he went against the barricades. I'm like that guy, it, it, he, there's blood on him. It's probably not his. And also I like, he's fascinating to watch, but I do not want to be within arm's distance of him. Cause he terrifies me. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, hell, I was, at, I was at another AIW show back when they were at the, uh, at Mount Carmel. Oh yeah. For the benefit of everybody else. Uh, AIW, uh, again, it's absolute intense wrestling out of Cleveland, but they used to run shows out of a Catholic high school, uh, gymnasium 
with a gigantic, uh, two gigantic portraits, one of a pope, the other one of a tiger. It was an amazing venue. Yes. Wow. Dang, you gotta start somewhere, and, huh? And they would put on these brutal, brutal shows. And that was one of the first times I ever saw Eddie Kingston was at one of those shows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he actually fell into me because they were they were brawling up their little bleachers that we were sitting on. And, you know, that's that's one of those things. The purest wrestling gets... And, you know, this uh, goes into what one of the biggest criticisms about wrestling is like, oh, it's fake. It's like, yes, we all know it's fake. But when wrestling is at its best is when you can forget it, just like Paul was saying. And the more you watch wrestling, the more you kind of get an idea of the stories that are being told. You you can start predicting certain things. You can start thinking, okay, this is most likely going to go this way so that they can do this. You know, this is the logical payoff of this. All of those things. But when wrestling is great, is those moments where all of your prior knowledge, all of your cynicism just goes away and you are invested in what is happening, where the match could go either way, or even better, when you really want it to go one way and it really feels like it's going to go that way. And those near falls have meaning. They want You want the match to be over to uh, see that your guy, you know, have his arm raised at the end of that. That is when wrestling is is at its absolute most amazing. And it's not always that, you know, it's not always that. But I think that's one of the reasons that that people get so wrapped up in wrestling, because when those moments happen, few other things in life, at least in terms of entertainment, can compare to it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, indeed. I had that experience with uh, the... And Goro, you'll know this. I'm not sure if uh, Paul and Eddie will know this match, but uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus John Moxley. Mm. That was one no. of those matches where everything I knew just got put to the side, and I was watching two guys just headbutt the shit out of each other. <laughs> and they, my God, I mean, Ishii is already built like a brick shit house, and I would not want to fight that man. Although I would take him over Minoru Suzuki any day. Yeah. Yes. But then you put him in there with Moxley, who once we once I saw Mox in AEW and then I went back and saw where he came from, you know, the pre-WWE stuff. Ooh, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, this guy's fucking insane and we'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> okay. All right. And then Ishii was like, you can hit me. You can throw me through a table. I'm going to get back up. They don't call me the stone pit bull for any reason. All right, so another technical snafu. Um, I don't remember where we left off, guys. Does anybody remember exactly where we were at? Uh, Talking about like the the physicality of wrestlers. You had mentioned the one match with Mox and uh, the the Stone Pitbull, and how that was like your big like you know like moment where everything kind of disappeared. You're just in the match, right? Right. Right. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, that was that was the moment where I just kind of put all my previous knowledge aside and just it enjoyed the match just was watching everything and i was you know groaning at some of the spots and just it got brutal (laughs) and that's the thing you know again it speaks to the great variety of wrestling out there that there are so many different ways that you can put together a wrestling match and your 
taste is going to depend or play a big part in what you find the most appealing, but you could have the bloodiest, uh, most brutal match out there. And you can also have this, just the goofiest, softest thing. It's all, there's so many different styles of wrestling available to you out there. That is true. I mean, you can watch a Nick Gage match and then turn around the next second and you're watching an Orange Cassidy match or a Danhausen match. Sure. And they're on different levels, but sometimes they can do the exact same thing where you're just watching it for what's happening. And you're like, you know what? I'm just caught up in what's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, each of those different match styles will have its own style of narrative. You know, there is a sense amongst some people that the death matches are just, you know, people hitting each over the each each other over the head with stuff and there's no psychology to it. And in some cases, yeah, that's true. There's also sometimes not not much good psychology in a traditional wrestling match. It all depends upon the talent of the people involved in the match. And the language can vary from style to style. But the more you get into it, the more you start get picking up on some of those little nuances. And somehow it, it, it can elevate the entire proceedings. And that's, again, one of the things that's so great about wrestling. The more you invest in it, the more you learn about all of these different elements going into it, the more in, the more you, enjoyment you will get out of the final match. It's exactly the case. Um, there was a there was a match. I think it was CM Punk versus Darby Allen, and somebody posted up a side by side comparison with the Bret Hart match, and the spots were exact. It yep. was just like a callback to that match. And I'm like, you know what? If you weren't looking for it, you'd never know. But then seeing it side by side, I was like, that's brilliant. Because they didn't have to call back. But somebody was like, let's let's call back to one of the old matches. Let's see who picks up on it. Mm-hmm. Or hell, even just the program that CM Punk just finished with MJF. Culminating in their big dog collar match. And all of the callbacks to Punk's run in Ring of Honor. From the him coming out to AFI to even MJF at points echoing a promo that M, that uh, Punk had previously cut during his feud with Raven, it rewards and th- not everybody does this, but the best the best promotions will reward your paying attention. They will reward your loyalty to the history of these performers, and it feels like such an obvious thing that you wonder why more people don't do it, especially with some of these more tenured performers that have decades and hundreds of matches underneath their belt, hundreds of stories and interactions. If you can, you know, acknowledge that, and it doesn't take much, all you have to do is acknowledge it. It rewards the people that, you know, were there from the beginning or took their time to learn more about it and for the people that aren't familiar with it when they get clued in that this is a reference they'll be inclined to go check it out i hadn't seen that dog collar match with him and raven but i went out and and tracked it down after that i have i have to do that because i didn't i didn't get to watch revolution so i caught everything on like youtube and whatever else i could find for clips and stuff like that and Seeing all that and then seeing the comparison to the Ring of Honor days of Punk doing that same thing, I was like, this this is good stuff because it's rewarding those fans that pay attention. And even if you're a newer fan, you can see it and be like, well, I don't understand it, but that maybe, you know, it makes them go back and appreciate some of the stuff that came before. 
Well, I'll give, I'll give the example. Like I didn't know about any of that. And until, until you guys just talked about it. So there you go. I'm, I'm the noob. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, but watching, I, I watched, I got to, the opportunity to watch the pay-per-view as I, I, I watched it with my wife. Like she, like her, she'll watch wrestling like once every six months. That's fine. Cause it's like, we were just us watching and I explained a little bit about what was going on. And so we got to that match. Like, you know, there was a lot of like groaning and twisting in our seats while watching it, but, <laughs> uh, just because I didn't catch specific, you know, callbacks to promos cut or match types doesn't mean that I wasn't getting a, a, just a, a just a bloody feast of a match mm. to, to, to really dig into. And I still felt that I was rewarded and I was still satisfied because I think that's a, that's a tight line to walk, right. Of, I think it's good to reward people that pay attention to long form storytelling, but it's also like, Hey, is this your first dog collar match? Well, this is going to be the one burned in your head forever. You know, <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, it's like, that's, it still worked for me, even though I, mean, I knew, I knew about like kind of the callback to the older music, just because I know that wasn't like, it wasn't the song that I, you know, his, his regular entrance music. And I found out like the next day, like, oh, there's a whole thing with that. And I was like, that's cool. Right. Like that's, um, but in the moment it did, did not take a single thing away. I was there to see, cause I already knew about the lead up and I was wanting to see these two guys just tear each other apart. And that's what I got. And it was very rewarding. Yep. And that's good storytelling. Yeah. Right. That's the same. It's like, um, it's like with anything, right? Like you mentioned like comic books and even like, you know, now that we're getting all this glut of like comic book movies, you know, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to be like, Hey, you're new to this. Come, come check this out. You don't need to have watch 87 Marvel films to watch this one. You know, like there's, I think there's a certain barrier for entry that I think wrestling does a good job with. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, it, I know, especially there's a lot of people I know that are like, well, I'm not really into wrestling. It's a, you know, your, your taste may vary. I would argue it's the same thing with like music or like movies. It's like, you may not think you are, but you haven't found the thing that got you into it yet. Yeah. I think wrestling, there's plenty of that, right? Like, and I think, uh, maybe people aren't going to be diehards, but I think there's plenty out there to be like, you know what? That was enjoyable. And that's why I also like go to live shows. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I think you convert, convert mini fans. If you take somebody to a live indie show. Yeah, yeah, though we did definitively find out uh, due to her going to the live show when it, AEW came through that Stephanie is most assuredly not a wrestling fan. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, and, and I'm not saying this to be smirched in any way, but nobody's perfect. It's, you know, it's it's perfectly fine. We're allowed our own individual interests. Exactly. And I, I, I give her nothing but credit that she went to the show with me and she went into the deep end on that kind of thing because a, a big wrestling show, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I also had the opinion that, you know, seeing it live is a completely different experience. And there's, there's an energy there, but for some people it's not going to, uh, you know, resonate with them and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. But for the faithful man, there's, there are a few things as great as, as live wrestling, whether it's the small shows that, that of the likes of AIW or the major shows like uh, WWE or, um, AEW there, it's an amazing experience. And I highly encourage anybody who with any sort of interest in wrestling, go to live wrestling. Doesn't matter if it's a small show, just go. It's amazing. Right. And I've I've been to a few live shows in my day. Um, all WWF, of course, because that's how it goes. Sure. Um, I didn't know about any of the indies, but I've been to several Raw and SmackDown tapings 
locally here in Southern California and LA and Anaheim. And oh, I, man. I got you're the in chance. A, you're in a great spot too for, yeah. for independent wrestling. You're in PWG territory. Right. And I just found out not that long ago that they're pretty close. I'm like, well, son of a bitch. Now <laughs> well, we'll AEW is coming out your way soon. Cause they're going to be yeah. uh, putting a show out, out outside of Rancho Cucamonga. Yes, they are. And I am excited for them to come and I'm hoping that uh, things work out where I can be able to go. Isn't that where like, New Japan, don't they have like a base of operations over in California too? Like, don't they have like an American portion or am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember where the New Japan dojo is. I think it's in LA. Yeah, it's, it's in LA somewhere. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But um, yeah, I also got the chance to go to WrestleMania 2000. A buddy of mine somehow was able to score tickets from somebody at not too bad of a price. I mean, we weren't front row or anything. We were pretty high up, and Eddie will know this, at the uh, Arrowhead Pond, which is now the Honda Center, because everything's got to be corporate branded now. Ooh. (laughs) Although I guess Arrowhead Pond was still kind of corporate branded, but the pond makes sense for a hockey arena where Honda Center, but that's a whole conversation for a different podcast. Well, not to mention their ducks. So ducks on the yeah. pond. Huh. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> well, what do I know? We got to go to a WrestleMania though. That's like that's that would be like a bucket list thing if I got the opportunity. It made sense. I think I'd be, regardless Definitely. of how I feel about the product, I would you know I would go to a WrestleMania. It's yeah. like the Super Bowl of wrestling, kind of. I mean, it's one of those events that even if you don't watch wrestling, you can go to WrestleMania. Who's going to say no to that? Right. So when I had the opportunity, of course, I jumped on it and. While WrestleMania 2000 isn't the greatest WrestleMania looking back, I've gone back and watched it. I just had fun being there live because there's it's such a different experience. You're hearing the music live for these entrances. You're seeing these guys in the ring. And even though we were fairly far away, we had sort of a bird's eye view of everything going on. So we, we could still tell what was happening. Mm-hmm. But even that, but the best experience I had, not not saying anything was wrong with my WrestleMania, you know, uh, attendance, but the house shows that they put on, those were the shows to attend because you could get close and you could see everything. And then you realize just how big some of these guys are. But I'll tell you this, at the time I was going, it was probably 98, 99. So right in the midst of the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Um, when Kane would come out and set the pyro off from the ring posts, we were three rows back and I felt like my eyebrows got fucking singed off, man. Cause it was that hot. <laughs> yeah. Anytime they, they use live fire, uh, you, you get a sense of just damn how hot that is. I mean, hell, uh, when Cody was coming out, you know, I, I was a, a, a distance away and I was still feeling the, the heat of the flame. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. even like, I went to that uh, raw taping um, a couple weeks ago because like I I I don't know what happened why it happened but I went to my first professional show that AEW show like you know and then like what three weeks later I went to a raw taping it's like I should have spaced this out better but it's like you know completely different experiences but they would use like the fireworks and some of the some of the pyro at the raw taping and it was just like you could just feel the temperature just go up in the you know the arena you're like whoo that's a that's uh, scary. I don't know. Like I, I don't know. Matt's <laughs> natural inclination to be afraid of fire really kicked in uh, during some of them. At least yeah, you didn't you have a sign catch on fire. Heat. <laughs> yeah. You feel that wave of heat. It definitely is alarming. Yeah, and, and you're right. I didn't have a sign catch on fire. Though it was cracked <laughs> above me, and I was like, "Oh, WrestleMania sign, you're cracked." That's I don't want to see that. 
happening. You know, yeah. Anyway. The one thing that's kind of off about going to a live event, though, is not having the commentators in your ear. Yeah. It's just something about not having the commentators in your ear. You're watching it. You're seeing it. But you're like, something's missing. <laughs> yep, it's it's the full experience, and that's why you know com- the commentary is such an integral part. Even if sometimes you kind of tune it out, but it's still it's part of the language of the experience. For sure. And yeah, it, there there that is something that is slightly different, and it's why sometimes even when I will see a live show, I'll still go back and watch the the taping of it just to kind of see the stuff I may have missed. Right, that's what I would do. Like I. I ordered WrestleMania 2000 and told my parents, I said, I'm going to the show, but I need you to record this. Here is the tape. Record it because I want to watch it after I get back. And I watched it the next day. And with the commentary, it was so different. Well, yeah, but I also think that that speaks to like um, the storytelling in the ring, because like, if you can't have access to that portion, like you need to still be caught into the the story. Right. So, yeah. I think that I mean I think they're complimentary, but you know I, I think that's where you're allowed to be in the moment. Like at that that raw taping I went to the the Rock K Bro was in a, a tag match against uh, was it Alpha Academy and um, Seth Rollins and yeah and Kevin Owens and Randy <laughs> Orton was like it was like a 40 minute match it was crazy it was great but Orton was like just waiting for the hot tag for like I don't know six years in there. And the entire crowd would go nuts anytime uh, Riddle got close to Orton. And it's like you'd see this story going on. And the moment that tag was made, just the roof just went off the place. And it was like uh, that was a lot of fun. It's just um, yeah, like it was like I didn't like I didn't need commentary to see that we wanted to see Orton go in and start, you know, uh, hitting some RKOs from right in front of us. You know, it's sure. definitely one of the tag teams that is exciting right now for for the storyline. Yeah. So it was like, that. that's like, I mean, I'm talking like, that's like that one moment of the night where it's like, you just, you're like, yep, this is transcendent. Like, this is just so much fun. And everybody's on the same page and cheering for that one moment. So that, that was cool. The three hours after that of just talking wasn't, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and what I've seen of RK bro, they're enjoyable, but someone like me and it's, it's going to sound snobby and pretentious as all fuck. But I'm an old school tag team guy, so that's why I love a team like FTR, because these are guys who have been together for a long time. They understand the rules of a tag team match, and they just work together so damn well. And it's just that old school, hard-nosed, we're just going to out-wrestle you in the ring and beat the shit out of you and get the win. Yeah. I mean, no flips, just fist is actually true when you watch them in the ring. I mean, that's why I wore my FTR shirt to that raw taping. I wanted people to know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Represent. Yeah. So, okay. So, Jeff, you you brought us all here together. We've we've had we've had some fun. We've learned some lessons, right? Uh, I don't know. Special. So like, <laughs> like right now, like you, like you said, you love the tag team stuff and I know you're watching a lot of the AEW. Is there like, um, is there like any, any new person right now, or I should say something like a, a, a performer that has kind of been a revelation to you in your recent watching that you're like, you know what, whatever this is, whatever this person's doing, I'm on board and I just need to see where it goes. There's actually two right now. And it may sound, you know, somewhat cliche. It may sound run of the mill. But it's Darby Allen and Hangman Page. 
at Darby Allen because he's he's one of those smaller guys, but you can see when they put him up against a bigger guy, how he goes about trying to dismantle and attack that guy. It's not just, oh, well, he's the smaller guy. He's going to punch him a lot. And, oh, he won. It's He's going to get the shit kicked out of him, but he's going to find a way. He's going to keep getting up. It's that resiliency that I like. The tenacity that just... He's like a little chihuahua that won't give up trying to get the bone away from the bull mastiff. I'm just happy that his da- he found his dad again that they're hanging out. <laughs> And as far as Adam Page, there was a match I saw early on. This is way before he was in title contention. I think it was during his tag run with Omega. JR called out that Adam Page was very much moving like Barry Windham in the ring. And I remember seeing Barry Windham wrestle, and I'm like, that's actually a good call out because he really does have that same kind of style. Aside from him getting up and hitting a moonsault every once in a while or, you know, diving through the ropes with a what Excalibur would have claimed to be Tope Suicida to the outside. <laughs> Which, I fucking love Excalibur. Anyone can fucking hate me for that, but I love the guy on commentary. I think he's fun. And he knows his shit, so that's oh, yeah. all I need. Excalibur's, yeah. Excalibur's great, even though I do have a, uh, a, a gimmick uh, hatred of Excalibur. <laughs> I, I can understand that. I can well, understand that. To, to, and to roll back the curtain on that for the, anybody who wondered where back in the Hossman days, uh, the guys used to give me shit for giving uh, Excalibur shit. Way back, the very first PWG show I ever saw, um, it was a mystery vortex where they don't reveal who's on the card. So it's all these interesting people come in. So I was seeing all these people. And uh, Johnny Gargano came out and he's a Cleveland boy. And Excalibur is friends with Johnny Gargano, but uh, Excalibur is a Detroit boy. So Excalibur took the opportunity to talk as much shit about Cleveland as he possibly could, bringing out the old wonders like the mistake by the lake and all these things. He just kept tearing down Cleveland. So it's just like, okay, so uh, Excalibur is my nemesis now. Oh, man. (laughs) And again, it was it, it, there's there is no seriousness to it. I, I think that he's one of the best announcers in the game right now. Um, I I do know that some people don't like the fact that he wears a mask, how how into it he is, but I I love how knowledgeable he is. I love how the fact that he is undeniably a wrestling geek, and that's one of the things I greatly appreciate. It's one of the things that I also appreciate by a lot of the talent that is working right now and is currently at you know kind of the apex of their career. A lot of them are around my age. And so it's the idea that, you know, they're they're coming from similar cultural uh, touchstones that I am, that the things that inspire them is the same stuff that I grew up. You know, the fact that Mox and I, we were both born in 1985. So that's another thing that kind of gives the edge over to it is the fact that, hey, these are guys that are my age, inspired by the same things and loving the same things that I love out there doing awesome things. Yeah, very much so. And now I want to take Paul's question and kind of pose it to the other guys, to the rest of you, about if there's anyone right now that is just, you know, clicking for you on all cylinders. So, you know, we'll just go whoever wants to chime in first and then see who goes. Let's just have at it. <laughs> what you got, Eddie? <clears throat> um, you know what? Not really. Just because 
like right now, like I was telling you guys, this like because I, I I only watch WWE at the moment, and there's just really not a lot of excitement there. Well, so it's Omos. Omos isn't exciting. Omos. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm kind of at this pivotal point, and that's why I've been uh, uh, chatting with Jeff a little bit lately about you know AEW uh, and Impact Wrestling and. Uh, what he thinks and because because I'm definitely planning on just you know starting to watch something else um, while still keeping up with WWE it's just it's just something that I always keep there you know what I mean if it's at a distance whether I'm fully into it um, but right now there's just not a lot of uh, there's a lot of silly things going on RK Bros is one of the fun the fun things that's going on Brock Lesnar's back and it's I gotta say his I didn't care for him much in the beginning and I don't care for him much now but at least now he's he came back and he's got a lot of development on his character now um but he's just on a terror right now with uh, roman reigns again but again roman reigns brock lesnar we've seen it it's a snooze fest it's you know brock lesnar he does the uh uh what do you call it suplex suplex after suplex so yeah city yeah. It, Suplex City, bitch. Yeah, like that's it. That's the whole match. It's not not exciting, you know. So um, Stone Cold's coming back for WrestleMania. Um, that's that's just one of those things, you know. The Rock comes back, Stone Cold. Um, and you know what? I didn't. I think I uh, I didn't see the end of Raw, but as far as I know, Seth Rollins still didn't have a match in WrestleMania. So that's going to be interesting. Supposedly, supposedly that's going to be uh, Cody Rhodes. That's supposed to be like the. Oh, the, I did hear something yeah. about yeah possibility. Yeah. But I'm excited okay. for that up and comer uh, Johnny Knoxville to. <laughs> <laughs> He's got oh, a lot man. of heart. I yeah. mean, for someone, I mean, I think for as much as like, you know, Knoxville has, you know, he's given his life, you know, for entertainment. Like, I think they're actually going to have a fun match because I think Zane also, like, he's like figured it out, you know, in terms yeah. of how to be ridiculous <laughs> and tell fun <laughs> stories. So, yeah, I'm waiting for that, that, that young rookie, um, Johnny Knoxville to, to shine. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then I was, uh, oh yeah. And then you got Logan Paul. He's going to no, be uh, with the Miz. Yeah. Another- but just- <laughs> Two Ohio kids. Well, one of the, 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 the Miz is cool. His dad, you know, his dad sells food near me. Uh, I don't know if we talked. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Logan Paul, like he can go away. I'm, I'm fine. Those, those two brothers, I, whatever they're from, they're around here too, but we don't need to talk about that. No, yeah. no. We can and I was really <laughs> interested in Alexa Bliss's character. Um, she is, play, she was playing a good role and they just cut the character. They brought her back and, not, but not really brought her back yet. They have they're having these little therapy sessions. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the storyline um, on that, but they uh, they brought her back for E Chamber, and we thought, oh, they just brought her back. They're going to give her the, the she's going to take the match. Not only does she lose the match, we haven't heard from her since E Chamber. Hmm. So that's another that's and that was a really good character. It was a really good character. So. I don't know the speculation. She might go back to the old character, or who knows. But and again, that's another one of those where WWE just says, "You know what? We're not really sure where to go with this, so uh, we're just going to put it on the shelf. Hopefully, yeah. no one notices." <laughs> no. And the problem is, you put so they put so much time and effort into it that everyone's going to notice when she's not there. I mean, I yeah. kept up with what's going on with her story, and then they're like, "Oh yeah." This whole therapy thing is supposed to go to WrestleMania. Oh, but she's going to be back at Elimination Chamber, and now she's gone again. It's like, what? I don't get what's happening. 
He's yeah. like, well, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I'm not investing so many hours a week watching their product and just <laughs> listening to podcasts and watching YouTube to kind of see what happens. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I didn't I really need to pay attention. It's not, it's not for me. I think my well, favorite up and coming guy right now is Rick Boogs, just because he's like a <laughs> worker. And the guy is just awesome. I I love Rick Boogs. I love the power of the guitar. And talk about that random tag team of him and Nakamura, but come on, that's a good pairing. I like those two together. Yeah, I was disappointed he didn't make the new WWE 2K22 game. Like Freddie Mercury uh, muscled out. Freddie Mercury will be DLC, I'm sure. They'll have. <laughs> All right. So, um, so the Goro, who, who's your? Because you know you you got a lot of uh, irons of the fire in terms of people you like. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of established acts that I'm uh, still always very excited to see what they're do. I mean, the 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 new uh, newly minted Blackpool uh, Combat Club of uh, Mox and Danielson and now uh, Regal. That is amazing. Of course, I oh, love yeah. everything that's going on with uh, Malachi Black and uh, the House of Black. But in terms of kind of guys that are just getting established, at least in, we'll limit it to uh, AEW because that's the one I'm watching primarily. I see a lot, a lot of potential in Swerve Strickland. And I, I wasn't following uh, his run on, at WWE. Um, and when he first came out, I didn't even recognize him until it was pointed out to me that he used to perform on the show that I watched, uh, Lucha Underground, underneath the, as the character Killshot. And I loved him on that show. But just seeing him now, um, just how much raw charisma that he has coupled with his amazing in-ring ability. There's going to be, if they don't do something big with Swerve, they're missing an opportunity because he is just so good. Yeah, he really is. I mean, I didn't realize he was kill shot until somebody called it out. And I went, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. I was like, kill shot was one of the favorite, one of my favorite guys when I was watching Lucha underground. Cause I was like, this guy just is good. Yeah. And then now you see where he's able to show off more of, like you said, that natural charisma. It's just dripping off of him. Yep. And he's, he's filled out more. He's more, he's more, he has more weight and muscularity to him. And yeah, he, he, he is going to be something amazing if he's given the opportunity to do so. And I think that he, hopefully they will, hopefully they will invest in him because I, I see very good things coming out of him. Same, same. I don't know. Did you catch his match last night on Rampage? Yep, that was a that was an amazing match. And uh, again, Ricky Starks, always impressive. You know, he was yeah. he he also is a guy that just has it. And at no point did I think that Swerve was going to take the you know the FTW Championship. It's it was kind of predetermined in my mind that Ricky was walking out of that. But just mm -hmm. the build that they're having. And the setting up of the tremendous Haas match between Hobbs and um, Keith Lee, that's going to be amazing. That That's what I'm waiting for. I'm like, yeah, you can give me Swerve and Starks any day and I'll be happy. But you give me Hobbs and Lee, just two powerful guys in the ring just going at it. I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be a hell of a match when it happens. I was almost disappointed that when they had their whole face of the revolution ladder match, they didn't go all in because the, um, the initial three entrants to that were what it was Wardlow about uh, powerhouse Hobbs and Keith Lee. So it was like, Oh, they're going to do a big beefy boy <laughs> ladder match. <laughs> but then they had to put some smaller guys in there to round it off. It's like, Oh, okay. But I, mm -hmm. 
yeah, they they definitely let us on with that big beefy Haas match that we thought we were going to get, and then the smaller guys come in. I was like, okay. Yep. Let's throw Miro into the mix and Lance Archer and <laughs> just go Jesus. go all out. Put a lot. Put as much beef into the ring as you can. That just reminds me of like the old Nintendo ice hockey game that if you picked all five big guys, it's like all you're going to do is just like like slowly move down the ice. Like you got to get, you know, you got to mix stuff and get at least one small skatey guy around to help move things along. So I don't know. That's well, my if, if if Brian Cage is still under contract, he can move remarkably well. I that's I was actually going to mention him. Like I didn't really realize who he was until I watched um the Dark Side of the Ring on uh Chris Canyon mm-hmm. and he was talking. I was like, who is this dude and why is his shoulders like a separate person? Like the guy just has I don't know, like he just it just he looks like an action figure right out of a box. Oh yeah. Yeah. Brian Cage is another yeah. one of those guys that I, I discovered through Lucha Underground. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a reason they call him the Swolverine. Jesus. Yeah. Like, no, like he, like, and it seems like he has a pretty good, like, at least when he was talking as part of that episode, like as a pretty good personality. So I don't know, like, I want to see more of him. Uh, I, then just because it, it took me seeing him live and understanding a little better, uh, Wardlow, I know he's mm-hmm. straight to the moon. I also want to see him do more than just, um, power bombs. I don't want him to, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's like, I get that they're setting him up as a monster, but like, I don't know, like, I know that's probably the, if I was playing, you know, him as a like, video game character, that would just be my go-to. Cause that's all I'd remember how to do, but I want to see a more, I want to see more move sets. I want to see a more, um, I wanted to see him more wrestling, not just, you know, not just power well, bombs. And, then and the thing is he, he can, he, he has, he has the ability to put on, do on more. It's just one of those. If, if you can get over doing one move, I'm, I'm not going to begrudge you for doing it. Because his his powerbomb symphony, it's over. You know, people like it. But I'm sure that he's going to be in much more competitive matches now that they're transitioning him into more of a face role. And it's it still blows my mind to, you know, see him in this position. And it speaks to what I was talking about of kind of the fun of going to independent shows. Because the very first time I ever saw Wardlow in a match was in a Cleveland uh, VFW hall for one of the smaller promotions called PCW which I don't even think PCW is still running shows. I don't think so, no. Yeah. It was one of those, uh, yeah, like Turner's Hall. You you, you heard of that, Paul? Uh, No. (laughs) Yeah. It's off Guthrie Avenue. Oh. Um, It smells like cigarettes. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm excited for him. Like, I I like this kind of, it's not necessarily homegrown, like AEW talent, but they're the ones that are shining the spotlight on these people and bringing them in and they're developing them, developing them and giving them like, you know, w- ways to tell stories. I'm excited for that. The women's division's getting better too. Yep. Like, um, as much as I am super happy Thunder Rosa got the belt, Britt Baker was such a good bad guy champion. Like I, she was just always exuding that. Like I I'm one step ahead of you. I thought she was great. And also I know we are personally biased cause you know, she would wrestle around here and was sure. kind of, kind of relative to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, forget it, whatever, just ignore that part. But yeah, another AIW stable. Yeah. So, I mean, for goodness sakes, I saw her in a comedy match with Hornswoggle and I'm like, you got, we, this has to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so thankfully. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's a match I wish I would have seen. No, I don't know if you would have, um, you know, it was not, a, not great. Um, not, not, not because of her, just whatever. But yeah, um, 
yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of cool, cool things coming up. Right. And there's a lot of, uh, younger people that, or I should say like, like lesser known that are getting some spotlight now, especially again, there's a lot of opportunities. And, and like we said at the beginning, like there's so many opportunities to dig in and find cool stuff and find, and find a relatively supportive fandom too. I don't know if like we should like mention that briefly. I think that you still got toxic fans, no matter what it is that, that you're engaging in. I, I see a lot of like, there's, there's, um, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of like awareness and support with wrestling now that I didn't I always see. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's, there's still some terrible people out there. It's one of the things, if you're a wrestling fan, stay off of Twitter, just, 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 just stay <laughs> off of it. Um, but yeah. there's, but there's also a greater sense of camaraderie that you can find. If you can find the good group of people that just want to celebrate wrestling, not necessarily spend their time tearing something down, but just, you know, promoting the stuff that they enjoy that's out there too. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, how far down the rabbit hole you guys have gone on wrestling Twitter. I happen to go on there because that's where I get some updates for stuff, you know, regarding all things wrestling and I stumble upon these things and I read them and I'm like, why do you put your energy into this, this negative stuff? Like people just tearing down, you know, AEW for no reason other than, oh, they're just WCW not having watched it. Or on the flip side, we got people tearing down WWE because they're like, well, they got rid of a bunch of guys and they don't know anything and blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, let's just, there's a common bond here. We're all watching wrestling. So instead of, you know, shitting on each other for whatever preference we have, why don't we just find that common bond and be like, okay, well, you like this, I like this. Let's discuss the differences instead of just immediately, you know, well, you're an E-drone, so you don't know anything. Or, oh, you're an AEW mark, so you don't understand anything. I, I like that you want to believe that the, these people that are acting like this are capable of being better. And I don't know what to tell you about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Welcome I'm, to I'm the forever internet. the optimist. Yeah. yeah, but the internet is full <laughs> of assholes. Like, I don't, I, I have a Twitter. Um, I don't use it, like, because I, one, I don't know. It's not that it's not confusing. I'm not that old, but it's just, I just, I'm like, I already have a social media. Why do I need other ones? But whatever. Uh, so I don't do that. Uh, I would say, like, I'm going to throw a recommendation out to, to, to you, Eddie, that I know you like the WWE. Um, I have fallen down. Uh, there's a, a playlist of videos on YouTube. Uh, and I mentioned that what culture wrestling group that like, so they're out of the UK. This guy named Simon Miller is very knowledgeable and very entertaining. Uh, he does a retro up and ups and downs review of like pay-per-views and they're like 20 minute okay. videos. And he goes through like the card explains the context. And it's just like, you just, you learn and you're like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is exciting to not exciting. is not the right thing, but it's like, I feel like I actually get um, information and I'm entertained and every week he puts uh-huh. out a new one and I'm excited. Like what, what's he reviewing this week? And he goes from some of the greatest things to, uh, what was it? Um, heroes of wrestling. One of the worst pay-per-views ever made. Right. Oh, so um, terrible. yeah. And then he also covered, what was it? The, um, the WCW new blood rising, which is like the worst. <laughs> like, so he gets some, uh, uh, he gets some, uh, some really stinkers in there too, but it's just, it's, it's a good way to kind of like not backfill your knowledge, but if you're, if you're feeling kind of nostalgic, without having to spend four hours watching a pay-per-view it's it's right. been it's been it's been really cool like this is where i've been getting some of my my knowledge and some of my love again for certain things that you know it's just been it's been great like i some, right sometimes on. somebody explain it to me better than me just sitting down and trying to watch it you know 
Right on. Appreciate the rec. I already uh, subbed on it right now. Yeah, it's, it's check that out. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I've gone down that rabbit hole with what culture and Simon Miller stuff, and I I also check out uh, the Wrestle Talk channel because they're another UK based wrestling thing. And yep, they all used to be part of the same group. What culture, right. cultaholic, and uh, Wrestle Talk, or at least members of them. <laughs> yeah. Do you right. uh, subscribe to the Impact Plus, or how do you watch Impact? I just check out the highlights on YouTube right now. I think they're also available on Access TV because we have Dish Network here, but I never, uh, you have access. I've never checked to see when it's actually on. So I'm just keeping up with updates when I go on to YouTube and stuff is basically how I'm keeping up with Impact. Yeah, yeah. and I've also mentioned Major League Wrestling puts up a lot of their <laughs> matches on YouTube as well. If you want to see, like I, I'm, you know, I Matt Cross is part of that. He's great. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, another, another Cleveland guy, yeah, another Cleveland guy, but he's great. Uh, what was it? Son of Havoc on, um, yep. Son of it? Havoc. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and there's some, there's some names that you would know and like they, they put on a good product. So if you were trying to find full matches on YouTube, that's, they have them up there for free. So there's what again, was that one called? Major League Wrestling MLW. Major League Wrestling. Not yeah. I watched the match, uh, not too long ago from MLW. It was. <laughs> Tom Lawler versus Mil Muertes. Oh, love when Mil Muertes. Jesus Christ, that was brutal. Yep, and filthy Tom Lawler, dirty Tom daddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> different guy. Different guy. Guy <laughs> yeah. looks like he just never takes a shower. I don't like how. I don't know how you could physically look. It looks like if Pigpen had an older, nastier brother. I don't understand. <laughs> so. So. This this is this has been a great conversation. I don't want to keep you guys here too much longer because I know you guys have other things going on. Uh, but I appreciate you all taking time out of your days to come here. Of course, man. But I I do have one more thing I want to ask you guys, and we'll go around the table. You guys can each answer, and then I'll give my my thoughts here. Is there anyone that was your favorite wrestler growing up that you would want? like fantasy book a match with that favorite wrestler with somebody modern whoever wants to start go right ahead that's an interesting one mm-hmm. um partially because a lot of a lot of the guys that i really liked growing up are either dead or not so much in wrestling yeah. shape these days right um you know what I, i'd actually say uh give me a um hmm <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll throw one out. How about that? Go for it. Because I just feel like they'd be like mirror images of each other in a lot of ways. Like I want Bret Hart and Adam Cole. That'd yeah, be, that'd be great. That 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 would be that would be pretty awesome. Um, Despite the fact I know El Goro thinks Adam Cole has the body of a twelve-year-old, he looks like a child. Okay, <laughs> but you know what? He seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> but he brings the boom and dresses up like Halo Men. You know, like I yes, know. he does. <laughs> He dresses up like John Hilleman. <laughs> yeah, but, but I just think his style, I think he was he's very adaptive, and I think he like, I think he would do such a great job of telling a story. Like, I just think that would be, I think Bret Hart would just, I mean, he excelled at the time, but my God, like, the, the like wrestling caught up to him, finally, you know, in a lot of ways. I feel like John Moxley versus Randy Macho Man Savage, if we're talking yes. about, you know, not even like, yes. you know, just a fantasy matchup, that would be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, in terms of if if you know opening it up to people that are deceased, 
then yeah, that would be good. But uh, in terms of what could possibly happen, uh, in t- uh, still alive, I'd actually would go with uh, Mox and Stone Cold. Just oh. have an all-out Ooh. brawl. Yeah. Yeah, that's that would be interesting. Well, we'll see how yeah. he hits Kevin Owens, and then we. Can- <laughs> <laughs> Less so these days because Mox justifiably has uh, is no longer drinking, but still. Well, I mean, you know, you can. Right, there we go. Hang, hangman and Stone Cold. They can have a beer afterwards. There you go. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to send Hangman back down the road of uh, drinking his feelings, huh? No. <laughs> See, you can, you can have a beer without letting it consume you. So he came right to the edge. All right. So, so his, Jeff, his friends uh, in the Dark Order pulled him out. <laughs> what's your booking see i've been thinking here and i posed the question and it's a tough one for me to to really try and put together because there's so many that i watched growing up like what about sting versus young sting how do you feel about Well, wait a minute. How young a Sting are we talking? Are we talking I'm, um Blade Runner Sting or yeah, are we talking, talking you know, I'm talking like still like he's Surfer like a surfboard, sting. you know. <laughs> like yeah, I'm talking happy up up, you know, like upbeat Sting versus sad dad Sting. Okay, so we're talking Surfer Sting saved by RoboCop, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um You know what? Honestly, man, this is this is tough. I posed the question and I can't even put anything together. Another one I would throw out there is like uh, young, like Prime Undertaker versus like Malachi Black. Like those are the two guys that I just want to see. Dest- they would destroy an arena. Yeah, that- it would. Yeah. And yeah. Are you talking all time? Because I didn't even think about like I was just thinking all time. So like Dead or Alive, like what? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were to take Dead or Alive, man, Roddy Piper versus MJF. Oh, there we go. Oh, I mean, the oh. promos alone would just be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <clears throat> oh, man. Uh, th- shit. <laughs> yeah, I I put it out there. I didn't even think. Yeah, it could have been dead or alive. Anyone. Mostly because you said from childhood. So I was thinking it was kind of like no holds barred on who it yeah. would be. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to go weird. I'm going to go a little off base here. I th- I think anyway is what I'm doing, and it just kind of popped in my head. I think I would want to see Bret Hart in his prime taking on Daniel Garcia right now. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Because I mean, both guys very technical in the ring, and I the see excellence of execution. I see a lot of those submission holds in Garcia, and I see a lot of that like technical prowess that Bret had in his prime. And I, I just think it would be just such a good, solid technical match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to, the, to that level, you know, if we want to go with the what I uh, lovingly referred to as grapple fuck matches. Um, yeah. Regal versus Minoru Suzuki. Oof. Put both of them in their prime and just let them beat the living shit out of each other. Oh, my God. Oh, if you want to, it's still one of the most brutal matches I've ever seen, and it was somewhat of a throwaway match, but it was in WCW. It was Fit Finley versus William Regal, and they just decided, yeah, we're just going to forearm each other for real <laughs> for like 15 minutes. That's not surprising considering those guys. Oh, yeah. 
And you know, you know, they had been doing that many times in their entire for their entire career. They just decided, all right, we're we're in the middle of peak NWO. Let's just kill each other. So, like, what about what if like what about Vader? Like before he came to WWF and like oh, he, like those two together. That like, would be that would be amazing. Wow. Wow. If only there was a video game that was out there now that we could maybe, you know, have some of this happen. I don't know. There but. is. <laughs> <laughs> there are many video games we can do this with. You can pretty much make any character now. Let's all play Fire Pro. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have Fire Pro, and I'm still trying to figure out the goddamn controls on that thing. <laughs> Wrestling left me behind. Left me behind after uh, pro wrestling, the Nintendo game, where I'm like, if I'm not Starman, I can't do anything. So I, I think you might. You, I think you would enjoy the Fire Pro series. It is surprisingly deep. Um, it's the thing is, it is simple, but there is a lot of complexity to it, and it's all 2D sprites. Okay, well then, that's that's my jam. I could probably there you go. Yeah, it's it's a cool game. Like I said, I'm just trying to figure out the controls because I always get my ass handed to me. <laughs> hey, the only time I ever won when I was playing against the other Hossman is when they were using a custom character, and apparently the stats were all maxed out, but nobody realized that. It just <laughs> 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 we were having this huge like eight man exploding barbed wire death match, uh, exploding ring th type thing, and then at the end it shows how people got eliminated, and it was just all of this one guy's finisher because I. Just was just spamming the finisher <laughs> oh man ah. did you happen to pick up uh, the new 2k22 or have you been playing ps4 lately no i've basically been using it for media um <laughs> i don't want to tax it too much with gameplay because i got to replace the thermal paste because right oh. now it, even though i opened it up and gave it a thorough cleaning got all the dust out and everything it still sounds like a jet engine. So, <clears throat> yeah. And looking if you online, take it apart, you're going to find a lot more dust in there. I've taken yeah. a lot of them apart. Yeah. Luckily, YouTube saves my ass on that. You know, aside from providing such good wrestling content and news, <laughs> I can figure out how to fix my PS4. Because <laughs> I ain't getting my hands on a fucking PS5 anytime soon. Yeah, right. No, I just I, who is? I held off on getting to uh, the, the 2K22 just because, like, I don't know. I feel like I'd be like, oh, you know, this would be kind of fun, but I'm like, I have to wait 18 hours for you know to uh, download a patch or whatever, and then, um, like, I just sixty dollars right now is a little price too high for something I don't feel confident that would be that engaged in. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, and that's fair because 2K22 um, up to this point have been very lazy with the games. Yeah. Um, they took a year off and <laughs> decided, you know what, they, they just go back to the drawing board and they just took a year off completely. Didn't make a 2K21. And this one is arguably better. It doesn't crash all the time like uh, 2K20 did. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a PC player, so it's on PC, 2K20 just crashes constantly. Um, so this game's actually uh, this game's actually been stable. So surprisingly, um, content's the same. They you know changed the controls up a little bit, um, but it's it's cool. It's fun. You know, I don't and I I'm I'm, one of, I'm not I'm not a competitive in that regard. I don't go online and compete and that kind of stuff. I just play you know make up my own matches and just play. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll get my ass beat. 
<laughs> yeah. The the last wrestling game I purchased as far as WWE goes or main wrestling games was 2K18. And the biggest draw for me was creating your own wrestler. So I'm like, why not live out the fantasy of creating my own wrestler and seeing how far they can get? Yeah, create your own stuff and you make your own pay-per-views and all that. It's right. fun. As far as any new wrestling games, I don't think I'm going to get 2K22. I think I'm going to hold my dollars until that AEW game comes out. Oh, is there, there one coming out? Nice. Yeah, yeah. they've been in development with it for a fair bit of time, but... Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the one good thing behind it is because Kenny Omega is such a big gamer, I have confidence that he's wanting the game to be as good as it can be. I mean, he even said it's not going to compete with the WWE games, but they want to give the fans something good to play. He's like, we're never going to be on that level but we want to provide a fun game where yeah. people can play as their favorite wrestlers or create their own wrestlers whatever but just have fun playing the game well, so we'll see who they go with i mean it's gonna obviously not gonna be like ea sports or anything but i'm sure if they do make a, a game and then ea or someone looks at it and says hey you know what we can do this we can take this game on and enhance it and all that good stuff yeah, um, I'm trying to remember who they're working with. Um, I think they're working with Ukes. Yeah, with Ukes. That's the WWE partnership. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ukes. They actually worked on the first UFC, so that's that's good news. And they brought in. <laughs> they also brought in the guy who uh, designed um, No Mercy back in the day uh, as some sort of consultant, I believe. Yeah, which is a game I never played, but I've seen gameplay of it, and I'm like, okay, I can see why so many people hold this in high regard. We'll see. I mean, like I, I, I'll be excited. Like, and then maybe, maybe I'll, I'll advance my gameplay and move up to a three-dimensional wrestling game. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh man, this, this has been a lot of fun, guys. I've, I've had a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I've yeah, enjoyed myself. This was a blast, man. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely. Always wanted to get on and just talk about wrestling. It's always fun always fun and i mean we all have we all have an appreciation for it and we all just have this i think respect for the business as well Mm -hmm. and a lot of that i don't see in some of the fandom i mean we talked about twitter (laughs) (laughs) but i just want to get like like your guys's final just final thoughts here on on wrestling in general like do you see it ever becoming as big as it was at one point, like, say, in the Attitude Era or when the Monday Night Wars were going on? Or do you see it just being a niche thing going forward? I mean, Whoever um, wants to jump on this can. The possibility of it becoming as big as that is there's a lot stacked against it because there are so many other media options available. You know, there there is so many things competing for the eyeballs. But it, that's okay. It doesn't have to be as, you know, quote unquote, as big as it is, as long as it's still managing to capture new fans and capture the the love of the people that have been been into it for the longest time. I don't think wrestling is ever going to go anywhere for that for that very same reason. There's always going to be some kid who's discovering it for, for watching his first wrestling match and thinking, yeah, this is my thing. And sometimes they go on to be wrestlers, you know, it will it will be forever. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, in the age of social media, 
there's just so much out there and now and now you actually literally have social media stars coming into the WWE um you know you always get the silly WrestleMania guests anyways but now it's you know it's getting down to social media those are actually you know what do you call it mild celebrities you know basically so it's I, I don't think it has to ever be that big, like he was saying. It's just going to be one of those things. I think it's become a lot more mainstream, um, back to what we were saying about how, you know, you like wrestling, ah, oh, you're a nerd. You know, it's it's just, it's one of those things where it, I would say it's become it's becoming mainstream now, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul? I, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, especially when you had shows like, um, like Glow, which... Should have had a fourth season, and then I know there's the um, oh, is it uh, Heels on uh, Stars, which I need to watch. I've heard nothing but good things about. It's, good it's, it's it's permeating, like you know, it, like it's. I mean, the WWF made it a point in the '80s to make wrestling more than just wrestling by you know how they did the everything right, like toys and cartoons and everything. It's and it's only going to get that wake's only going to get bigger as we go along, right? So, um. In terms of like pure ratings, I don't think they're going to be like that because like, you know, streaming and smaller cable size, you know, ratings, whatever. But I think in terms of like cultural impact and awareness, I don't think it's been, I think it's it's been as big as it's ever been, you know? And I also think that like, um, since people keep seeking out, like, especially after like these couple years of the pandemic, like, you know, Going like I went to my first concert and like was it last weekend for the first like time in like three years I went to go see live music, and it was great. There's something there. I think as long as there's going to be these live shows, people want something tangible that just isn't like you know digital content, right? So I think wrestling's always going to be there because you know it just there there's a physical connection there. Just like when people go to like sporting events, right? Like sometimes it's better to go see it live. I think wrestling is going to be the same thing. I think it's great to be able to love heroes and villains and be able to argue with people about them, but not be like divisive. Cause I feel like, like there's so many things now that you could say something and be like, well, we're never going to talk again because of however your position about X and my position about Y, but sure. wrestling is to argue about, right? You can't be like, wait, you're a fan of that guy. You're not welcome in my house. You know, like, you can't, <laughs> like <laughs> so I think there's, I think there's a comfort there. And I think there's, will be a growing appreciation that people can still get together and enjoy a thing and still have spirited discussion about like, you know, whatever, but it not be a thing that's going to alienate you from somebody else. So I think, uh, you know, and that benefit, I think wrestling is going to be, it's, it's going to be greatly, like it, it's going to be more widespread in the sense of <laughs> it's one, it's one of the few things that outside of Twitter people can talk about and not like go away being like, Oh man, that just ruined my day. You know, well, here's hoping. Right. Right. And I, I feel the same way. I don't think it's ever going to reach those levels again, but I think it's pretty much going to stay where it's at. And with, you know, the new kid on the block in AEW, and then we're getting Ring of Honor going to be coming back. So there's other outlets for wrestling for people to watch aside from just the big, you know, juggernaut that is WWE. I mean, and all the international stuff too. And even the promotions that are strictly women-focused promotions, even those have a lot of popularity. I, I don't particularly watch them and it's not because i don't want to it's just i haven't had the exposure to go see them i do need to broaden my horizons a little more on that front but i think 
pro wrestling now is probably as big as it'll get. It may get a little bigger, but it's never going to reach that height that it was. I think that was lightning in a bottle at that time. One thing I one thing I do like as far as AEW goes is I like that they're run by a guy who is obviously another wrestling nerd Mm -hmm. who is a student of the game, understands things. And from what I've heard, listening to uh, interviews that AEW does, they do this unrestricted podcast with some of the wrestlers and backstage guys. Anytime they bring up Tony Khan, it's like some of these guys who have just signed, they're like, yeah, the first thing he did was like, oh, I remember you in this match versus this guy. And you guys went blah, 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 blah. And they're like, I don't even remember that match. How do you? He was like, oh, it was such a great match. I'm like, okay, this is a guy that needs to be running a wrestling promotion, a guy who understands things. That being said, AEW is not without its faults. They're not perfect, but no wrestling promotion can be. But I think with with that behind it, AEW can still grow bigger. It's going to be nowhere near WWE levels, but I think they can capture a portion of that audience. And especially now that they've got Ring of Honor under their belt. And that's going to be something. I think wrestling is going to be around for a long time. And I'm excited for the new generation of fans that are going to start seeing this stuff and then go back and see the old stuff and get that knowledge if they go back even if they don't as long as they watch the newer stuff great enjoy it yep so what you're saying is wrestling is good wrestling is great and we should all watch wrestling i think that's what i think that's what you're saying there right that's what uh, i heard it's <laughs> a good, good note to go out on <laughs> yeah. to quote one of my favorites when i was a teenager and that's the bottom line yeah so again i i I thank you guys for coming on and doing this taking time out of your busy busy schedules to join me for this just roundtable discussion shooting the shit about wrestling it's been a lot of fun thank you man thank you thank you thank you you guys uh this shouldn't have to be said but i'm gonna say you have an open door policy you ever want to come back Whatever you want to talk about, feel free to hit me up. I mean, you're always welcome. I want it to be an open forbidden door policy where I'll just show up unannounced and um, <laughs> create chaos. <laughs> like you got, you'll be in the middle of like a conversation with your wife and it's like, why is there, why did I get hit with a chair and I'll just leave? I mean, chaos <laughs> already exists. It's a faction in New Japan. So are oh. you a part of chaos now? I can't, I can't. I think everybody's a part of chaos. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I have, I have a membership, but uh, I'll have to check that. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I I would have figured you more as a, a Suzuki Goon guy. I am a hundred percent Suzuki Goon, which is why it's curious, and I'm also part of Chaos. I I I, I don't know. We have to sort that out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, thank you. This is a lot of fun. It's always fun to talk uh, about things that we have uh, vested interest in and wrestling. You know, like I, there's plenty of opportunities to talk about it, but not everybody around me, like my day to day, you know, aka my wife and cats, don't want to talk about it. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it. So to close out, uh, I'm just going to go around the table here. Eddie, do you have anything that you want to promote or anything? Anything you're doing? Ah, uh, no, I don't. I don't do anything. I'm I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I'll toss it over to Paul, and then we'll hear from El Goro. Promote away. Sure. Uh, you can find me uh, talking at length um, about many, many things over at Evasion the Podcast with my co-host Steve. Uh, we recently discovered was it the 87 animated film G.I. Joe, the film or the movie. Um, uh, go go check that out, Invasion the Podcast. Um, 
Uh, spoiler: that, That's not a very good movie. Uh, didn't didn't no. you know? <laughs> but it did like Sergeant Slaughter as himself. Um, so I like that was the credit, and also that um, we now know if you get stabbed by a snake staff, you just go into a coma. And we learned all these things, so you can check us out there. Uh, you know, we talk at length about a bunch of different things. It's 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 quite silly, but I think we have a good time. Uh, and then uh, also I do um, the show called Strange Highways, which my co-host Terry and I have been watching the Twilight Zone, the original series, and now into the 80s series in sequence and talking about uh, the, the show. And um, we're now into season one of the 80s series, and we're about to cover uh, the William Friedkin segment called Nightcrawlers, which is um, – it is a trip and a half. So – uh, you guys can check that out. Strange highways. Uh, and that's, that's also fun. Not, not as silly at times. Cause it's a shorter show. Nice. El Goro, you have the, you have the stage. All right. Well, uh, I do a weekly movie podcast called talk without rhythm where every week I t- discuss two films that are somehow t- uh, tied together, tangentially tied together by a theme right now. We've been going through a lot of the Patreon picks. So the very generous people who support the show book in the episodes and the one that we have coming up uh, shortly after I finished talking with you guys <laughs> is a little creature double feature of 2008's the ruins and a 2020 Russian film called Super Deep. So that should be a lot of fun. And yeah, just do a search for Talk Without Rhythm. Basically, anywhere you can get podcasts, you can find me there. Awesome. I'll include links uh, for your guys' shows in the show notes for anybody. Go check these guys out. They're excellent at what they do. Uh, El Goro is one of the main inspirations for me to start doing this. And once again, guys, thank you. And... I think we're going to call that a show. Hell yeah. Ring the bell. We're done. Not not kicking out. I'm done. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) So that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That was the Skewer Universe Wrestling Show. And as you can tell, we had a lot of fun, despite the few technical hiccups that we had. I want to once again thank Eddie, my longtime friend, for coming on the show. Also, he is the one that designed our new logo. So big, big ups to him for doing that. And I definitely need to thank Paul from the vision of the podcast and strange highways for coming on and definitely need to thank first time guest and hopefully future guest El Goro from talk without rhythm. Having these three guys together was a lot of fun. I know initially I said there would be four. Unfortunately, our fourth person was unable to make it. So we're going to have him on in a later episode. But for now, you know what you can do? You can contact us at skewerduniversepodcast.gmail.com. Leave us some comments, feedback, questions, you know, whatever you feel like. You can find us over on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Skewered Universe or at Skewered U. You'll find us. Facebook, there's a group. There's a page. Go there. Uh, As far as Facebook goes, you can also go there and look for Talk Without Rhythm. You can find his group. You can also find Invasion of the Podcast and Strange Highways on Facebook. You can also find them on Apple Podcasts. I believe they're also on Stitcher, places like that. I'll, I'll link their shows in the notes, as I said previously. And if you want to support us here at Skewer Universe, you can go over to patreon.com slash Podcast. You can join our Patreon program, get access to exclusive transmissions episodes. There will be new ones coming. And we'll get hard at work on those commentaries, believe me. Behind the scenes, there's a lot going on here. Also, 
our show is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Audible, Google, all the regular places. So when you're looking for us, go ahead and do a search for Talk Without Rhythm, Invasion of the Podcast, and Strange Highways. Again, I had a lot of fun with these guys. I need to thank them once again for coming on the show. We had a lot of fun. And as a little extra treat for you guys, we have a little bonus clip. Now, I teased at the beginning of the show, and I'm breaking kayfabe. I know that's a huge no-no in the wrestling world. I said Leanne was out with an injury after pulling a moonsault off of a steel cage. Well, she's actually fine. She was in the vicinity when we were recording. And she brought up a topic that, uh, yeah, we all kind of dove into a little bit. So I'm going to play that for you here at the end to close out the show. And of course, you know, you all are thanked, you're loved, stay safe, be good to each other, R.I.P. Scott Hall, and actually we just found out R.I.P. Taylor Hawkins, the drummer from the Foo Fighters, uh, passed away last night at age 50. Yeah, also succumbed to some demons he had. So, yeah, sad times, but... Despite all that, look for the positive. There's a silver lining out there for everybody. And keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit... Hell, at this point, you know what I'm going to say. Skewered. Actually, the funny thing, and I'll bring this up because she asked me to make sure that I brought this up when talking about wrestling. While my wife enjoys it, Leanne has a hang-up about crotches. Okay. <laughs> so if she sees what she dubs a good one, she's like, oh, crutch. And then that side, that throws me off my game. And then all I can see in the match is crutches. All right. So we, we have to unpack this. Um, what constitutes a good crotch? Leanne, what constitutes a good crotch? Rikishi. If I can't see any detail. No. Great. Ah, okay. So we want the dancer's bowl. It's just uniform. The more distracted I am, and that's all I can see. I see. Okay. <laughs> so Ken doll is good. Uh, amorphous blob is is you know less good, and then full scrotum neck is good is terrible. So he says. <laughs> <laughs> We're translating. <laughs> if I if I remember this correctly, because it was too damn funny. Oh, how did you phrase it again? Kendall is good. Kendall is good. Uh, Amorphous blob is slightly less good. Amorphous blob is slightly less good. That's better. Yeah, it's fine. Full full scrotum neck is is the worst. Full scrotum neck is the worst. Okay. So one of the worst offenders is I'm going to be an asshole, and I'm sorry that we're recording, but it's the only way I can identify him. He's black and, like, really tall. Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil. That man has a sausage and he cannot hide it. I cannot see him wrestling. Is he a good wrestler? I have no clue. That's All why I can he's called, see is his he's called Titus Worldwide sausage. for a reason. <laughs> Emphasis on the wide. Worldwide. Yeah. So he's called Titus Worldwide for a reason. And El Goro said emphasis on the wide. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the funny part about all this is I've been there for these. Uh, we've watched several WWEs together, and even my wife yeah. can attest. 
Where, uh, Leanne, Leanne brought up the uh, crotches that she. Oh. <laughs> she always mentions the crotches. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's it's quite hilarious. Yeah, she uh, she noticed when Brock Lesnar was aroused during a match. Oh, and also noted when uh, Daniel Bryan, as he was known in the E, because that's where he was at the time, had his uh, untrimmed man bush showing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so all natural. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If- I didn't know that. A little bit untrimmed. It was like 70s bush. (laughs) I just didn't realize that we would have to be like, I I should have studied a lot more crotches before today's episode. I would have, I would have done my, I at least thought we would have started with nip slips or something. I didn't think we were going to go right to crotches. (laughs) (laughs) Look, she asked me to bring it up. I wanted to present it to the forum here. Before we got into the actual episode, well, it is it is useful occasionally to get that sort of perspective because I've been watching wrestling so long that the idea of essentially you know two guys in underwear and boots grappling with each other it doesn't even ping anymore. It's just like yeah, that's wrestling. That's how it is. But it's always interesting to see the outsider perspective and just say why are these guys almost naked? It's like because they are. It's wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the way I see it. But just the idea of, could you imagine being out in public in just your underwear and a pair of boots? Maybe some wrist tape. I can't even do that in my own house. I would not. 